Hello, lovelies. Welcome to the Fat Joy Podcast, where we talk each week about how to flourish in an anti-fat world. I'm Sophia, a fat person and professional coach who loves talking to other fat people about what it's like to live within oppressive systems that marginalize our bodies and how we still dare to have the audacity and courage to reach towards our collective liberation and embrace our joy. Please know this is an adult content podcast, so there will be swears, we will be talking about harms we've experienced, and we will be rebelling against diet culture, anti-fatness, ableism, racism, etc. If you'd like to support the Fat Joy podcast and get bonus content as a thank you, please check us out at patreon.com fatjoy. I am so glad you're here with us. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Fat Joy Podcast. I'm Sophia, and I'm here with Shannon Kanishige, who I've been following on Instagram for years. Um, they Their Instagram account is Fringe-ish. Um, and in fact, Shannon, I didn't know your name was Shannon. I just was calling you Fringe-ish in my head for years. Um, and I'm so thrilled that you said yes. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be talking to you. I know. It's so good. You shifted a lot for me. I won't give it away yet. We'll get there. Um, (laughs) Shannon, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. um, So I am a fat, white, neurodivergent yoga instructor. Um, I'm a sociologist by training. So I tend to look at things from a pretty macro lens (laughs) because of that. Um, and I consider myself a fat activist as well. I Right now, I live here in Toronto um, with my partner and my kiddo, who is a cancer survivor. So very, um, very passionate about that as well. Uh, yeah, so I, I love to help people move. I love to help people find ways to connect with their whole self. Uh, because I think a lot of the times is fat folks were often told that there's something wrong with us um, and we become really disconnected from our bodies. So I see movement not as like something that we do to atone or even for quote unquote health, uh, but more for ourselves, a way to reconnect and to embody our whole self. (sighs) Oh my God. I just felt my whole body relax as you said that. I was like, Oh yes, my whole self, my whole my body is part of that. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think too, especially it's like fat folks. We get told so often like that um, the real inside of you is is that's the part, and it leads us to believe that like our our physical form has nothing to do with who we are. When it impacts the way that we are treated, it impacts so much of our life, and it's like constantly being gaslit. So that reconnection so important. And I think it's a huge part of liberation. Yeah, 100%. Like we, we become very disassociated. Like when I started doing this work, I realized how disassociated I was from my body. Almost like if I, like the more I could ignore it, not that anyone else could ignore it. I mean, I am very visibly fat, but it was like I, I was gaslighting myself actually, I think is really what was happening as well. I was kind of colluding with our society it's the only way to survive (laughs) Um, because otherwise you're loud you're you know you're one of those fat people um and you have limited access 
to everything because of it. So yeah, um, sometimes you just have to play along to get what you need to get to survive. And again, like there's no shame in that either. Yeah, it's true. I literally just right before we start recording, I was on a call with a black woman in the US who works at a really big government organization. And uh, she was talking about this exact, this exact same thing about how she has to really monitor how she shows up because she's a black woman mm-hmm. in the US. And I was just as she was talking, I was like, yeah, it there's, you know, the same thing, like you have to show up or you don't have to but there's this feeling of in order to get oh what are all the words respect basic care um i have to show i can't show up as the angry fat woman exactly because she was saying she can't show up as the angry black woman and so there is this gaslighting this disassociating this dampening of who we are um that is just Oh, the impact it has is huge on us as individuals. Yeah. Um, before I get too far into that, because I feel like there's a lot we can explore there, and then how your work helps with that. Um, I'm so curious about your relationship to the word fat. I think like like most fat folks, it's it's a bumpy road. Um, <clears throat> certainly, I mean, I've been fat pretty much my whole life. I've had little vacations in the world of, of fitness. I've never um, heard it said quite that way before. <laughs> I have to say I borrowed that from my friend Jill, Jill Gillespie. Gillespie. Um, but yeah, it's it's the perfect way to to describe it because it really, it really is a vacation. It is. <laughs> After living in a fat body to be like, oh, you mean I don't have to think about all these things anymore for a while? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, definitely like, as a fat kid, the word was thrown around. Um, you know, my dad was fat, so um, and constantly trying to lose weight. And you know, fat was a bad word. Um, it was something that was mean. And so, as I got older, um, you know, it became something that <laughs> you know the, the famous like, "Oh, but you're not fat. You're pretty." Um, or, you know, you're so smart. And I'm like, so what are you telling me about what this word means to you? Um, and because of that, like it's, but it's also that definition of fat is part of our doxha, you know, and our doxha kind of being, uh, bringing up the sociological terms, of course, um, <laughs> being kind of like all the things that are, that go unsaid as like common knowledge. Like it's not common knowledge. It's not true. But in our culture, we see the word fat as all of these things. Um, and so it becomes part of, of you, you know, part of your definition of yourself in that way. Or you fall into like the good fatty trope where like, I, yeah, I'm fat, but I'm, I'm not any of those things. Um, and I spent a lot of time there, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, as a like 20, 20 year old, uh, you know, through my twenties. And, um, once I, I got into my thirties and I started like kind of getting exposed to more fat liberation, um, kind of mindset, I, I started to just kind of make peace with the fact that I'm short. I'm also fat, <laughs> you know, it's just, these are just facts. Um, but that's it. That's all that they are. They're just a, a fact about a physical description, you know, 
Um, unfortunately, now I feel like it also is kind of relates a shared experience and a certain amount of shared trauma <laughs> um, for a lot of us. Um, and you can kind of tell where someone is in their kind of liberation or self-acceptance journey by how they treat the word, which I think is really interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely have come to a point where it it doesn't have those connotations for me. I mean, I know darn well what some people are saying when they use it, um, but I it doesn't have that like automatic um definition to me mm -hmm. yeah i love that you brought in what that word doksha 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 yes. yeah I, I i love that you have the sociology background i'm so curious like so is this at the root well i think there's a lot of things at the root but is this perhaps one of the roots of why fat phobia anti-fat bias unconscious anti-fat bias, I'll use the right words, unconscious anti-fat bias is going up 40% a year. Is this why um, it's so hard to shift people's mindsets and belief systems about fat? Like, is a doxha, like, it's, it sounds, yeah, is it so rooted in culture? Is that what it is? Yeah. So when we talk about Doxha, we're talking about like, again, all those things that kind of go inside that are accepted as common knowledge, whether or not they actually are yeah. common like knowledge. Like what's another example of one? I'm trying to think offhand. Uh, oh, see, now I'm on the spot. I know, I know. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, I think, you know, when we have certain ideas about, because um, I usually use fatness as the illustration. I, yeah, um, absolutely. But, you know, like we have certain ideas about what femininity means. Yes. Okay. Um, you know, when you say feminine, like kind of everyone's like, oh, we're talking about someone who wears dress, who wears dresses, you know, even within like the queer community, it's like, okay, I know what a femme, if idea of femininity is. Oh, yeah. It's like a mental shortcut. And that shortcut is created by what we've been culturally given yeah how we've been socialized how we've been socialized okay yeah. yeah 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 so i think you know to tie it back to like fat phobia and everything that goes with that when um <laughs> when we talk about like how we're treated in medical settings um or when you know, people come after you like, well, you're just unhealthy. Like, number one, can we just say that like health isn't important in that way? Like, <laughs> you don't have to be healthy to be treated like a human being. Yes. Um, and there's so many, there's so much, there's so much there. Um, but when, you know, because that's usually the, the big point that everyone will come after fat folks for, but it's not healthy. You're going to end up with all these diseases. And, um, like the first thing is like, yeah, BS <laughs> health isn't, meh, isn't the end all be all of human experience. Uh, two, a lot of the research shows that a lot of these things aren't necessarily tied to body size, at least not in a causal way, but it doesn't matter how much research you pull out because everyone knows Yes, that, and, and this extends to our medical professionals who were taught this in school based off of bad science, but it, it doesn't change if like, 
it doesn't matter how much new support you show them because everyone knows that fatness means that you're unhealthy. So like it, it is, and everyone knows that like fat people, they don't move. Like they're lazy. We're lazy. We have no self-discipline, no self-control. Yeah. And, and we'll lie to you about it too. We're also liars. Oh, of course I'm lying about it completely. I, I absolutely eat 20 chocolate bars a day. Yeah. And if I don't say that, then I'm lying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so many assumptions. Fuck. I hate this stuff so much. Yeah. I can't even tell you how much it enrages me. Um, I've got actually, I for, depending on when your episode airs, I've actually got, um, a medical doctor who's going to be coming on and talking about this, a fat medical doctor, which I'm just so excited for. And also Regan Chastain is going to be a guest. Um, and you know, Regan spends their, their time doing all that work too. Like I just, but it's, yeah, it's so complicated because you're right, but everyone just knows. So then you're this fat person. And I've been told by my own family, isn't, this just a convenient thing for you to say because you're fat that's the only reason you're saying it Sophia if you were thin yeah. you wouldn't be telling the world that fat is has nothing to do with health body size has nothing to do with health and I'm like so I can't there's no way to win there's no way to no. win this argument because everyone just knows and I lose all patience immediately Shannon so do you have <laughs> do you have a way <laughs> <laughs> and and this is like the I think the most frustrating thing for me about discussing it and trying to teach is you know we're seen as being completely impartial uh, because we're fat mm -hmm. we all we all know that like fat people can't be partial about fat things uh, so they want to hear it from from straight size folks yes uh, but that again, constantly makes straight size folks the experts in our bodies. Right. Without any lived experience. We saw this with recently with a certain person who wrote a certain book. Um, and Can we name it? Is it bad to name it? I, I have never been a fan. <laughs> no, no. For those of you who don't know, there was a huge scandal, I don't know, six months ago? Time is weird for me now maybe, um, within the health at every size community, because Lindo Bacon wrote, has written a couple books, but then all these things emerged around how Lindo, um, I, you can read a lot about it actually, if you want to search, but basically a thin white, um, Lindo, does Lindo identify as they, them? I think they, them. Yes. Yes. Um, but a thin white person being the expert on, fat bodies. This is not that different than, um, oh, who's the the white woman who wrote the anti-racism books? Uh, da, 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 da. Robin D'Angelo? D'Angelo? Yeah, D'Angelo. D'Angelo. Yeah. Robin? I can't remember the first name. D'Angelo. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, we really, and it, to me, this is all white supremacy. Like, oh, the, the, the person who's at the top of the body hierarchy is the only person who can be an expert on all the things that they have no expertise in because they haven't lived it. And again, like this is like across the board for any marginalized group. Like you cannot be a member of that community and be seen as an expert. Well, you, you mentioned you're neurodivergent, right? Like, so I imagine is that I don't, I actually don't know as much about the neurodivergent community, but I imagine that's probably a similar thing too, right? Yeah. 
I mean, everyone sees it as, well, if you're marginalized, it's like you're just looking for excuses. Um, or, you know, if you've been racialized, you're just looking for excuses. Um, and like the thing that I think is really ironic is when I was getting my master's uh, in sociology, I wanted to study fat studies. It was newer at the time in that, I mean, not that fat studies have been around for a while, but it was newer in terms of like being something that like a lot of people were starting to get interested in. And I basically felt like I couldn't because I wouldn't be taken seriously because I was too invested in oh it. Oh my gosh. Um, so I, I focused on privilege and power, uh, specifically looking more at um, white studies as a way to like, because I, race is so integral to the American experience. Um, I mean, well, all experience, but are the way that our, our culture is set up. And, you know, now I'm like, oh man, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that was bad. Like I look at like the, all the race scholars at my university were white. And it was never questioned because it was just this like, is the thing. Yeah. But and then women's studies departments didn't get as much funding. They didn't get much attention because it was all women, um, mostly white women, but it was all women, you know? So it's this weird kind of cyclical thing that reinforces patriarchy, reinforces white supremacy, and is essentially an MLM. <laughs> You know, because you have to sell people on the idea of studying and yeah, it's it, academia. While I love the idea of loving continuously, the institution is just so toxic. Yes. I worked in academia as a librarian for 10 years, so I, I have some experience. Yeah. And then left. <laughs> um, I'm so sad. And I also totally get the whole I wanted to do fat studies but as the fat person I realized like for whatever reason I couldn't I had to go about it this sideways and that's oh I really feel that yeah I mean there's this idea that you won't be taken seriously and at the place where I was in my life I felt like it wasn't an option you know I was I was an older student because I had been Unhoused as a teenager, so I was behind in being able to like afford university. Um, and so by the time that I finally got around to getting my master's, I was already 30, uh, which isn't really that old, but compared to the other people in my program, I was I was actually closer to all of my professors in age and in life experience <laughs> uh, than to the other students. So most of my most of my friends were my professors, which was weird because I also kind of got the back end of it. But it was one of the reasons that I felt like if I go down this route, then I'm just going to be some angry person who's trying to like defend myself, which is what, it, you know, whenever anybody talked about it. And so I, I was like, okay, no, I'll, I'll look at privilege because that's what fast studies is, is looking at privilege but I'll, I'll stick to looking at these areas that are, you know, okay for me to look at as like a white person, which in and of itself was messed up. And again, like it took a while to see that because when you're in the middle of it, 
you can't see you can't. it. Yeah. But yeah, I wish I wish that I had had at that time like kind of the understanding and confidence in myself to not have to worry about what other people thought of me. Oh, it's so hard though. Oh my gosh. It, yeah. it is. And I, it's like, it's very, very nuanced. <laughs> it is. And it takes a while to get to that place. And um, ironically, when I finally got there, I was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to, I don't want to get a PhD. I don't want to stay in academia. This is horrible. <laughs> so yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, you know, as fat folks, we get discouraged, discouraged from doing a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how did you move from your master's in sociology then into this beautiful business that you've created, which Thank is you. fat yoga, fat liberation, fat activism? Like, was that, uh, yeah, I, I don't really have a sense of how, what, you know, kind of what your journey was to what you're doing now. Yeah, it. I think like most people, fairly convoluted. <laughs> um, I think a lot of it started with um, meeting my partner who is fairly active <clears throat> uh, when I was younger. My partner's from Hawaii. So when we would go back, uh, they'd take me hiking all the time. And I didn't, and this is where like the doksha kind of meets. <laughs> I felt like I wasn't an outdoor person. I wasn't an active person. How could I be? I'm fat. Oh, right. Yeah. And it's, it was just like, it never even dawned on me. Like I liked walking and I liked going for bike rides, but that wasn't like movement. That was just like hanging out doing stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> and when, when we were in Hawaii, um, I go hiking all the time and I was like, oh man, I love this. Like, I love this. And I started to realize like, oh, I am a really active person. I feel so much better when I'm moving. Like I think better, I sleep better. My body just feels better. And I would notice that at the end of every hike, when I was tired, I would start crying. I didn't know why. I was just bawling my eyes out. <laughs> and I started, I know, but it, it was, it was basically all of this stuff I had kind of stored away in my muscles, all of the hurt, all of the disappointment, all of the, it was just, it was getting worked out. Yeah. And I, it wasn't even on a conscious level. It was very physical, very embodied. Um, and I started to realize like my life was better, not just for moving, but for all the things that I was able to work through when I was moving. Like all those beliefs you were challenging every step up a hiking trail. Yeah. I had the same experience with meditation for the first time. Mm. I think my version was staying so busy that I never looked inward. And I remember, I'll never forget the first time I sat in meditation guided by this group that I really trusted. So I was safe. It was held space. I, and, and I was there for a week. I cried every day as I meditated, like sobbing. I'm like, I feel happy. What is coming out? Like, where, where is this coming from? And it, it felt like, cause it was a leadership, a really deep dive leadership program, which was all mm. about like, who are you as a person? Let's rip you open and like go there. And I didn't, I had never felt my body release, like absent of my brain. It was not a brain thing. It wasn't a thinking thing. It was 
my body letting some serious stuff go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was so powerful. And I can just, yeah, imagine on these hikes. Did your partner, how was your partner? Like, what were they? You're thinking, just like, what is happening? What's going on? Oh, no. But I'd send them, I'd send them ahead. I'd be like, go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to find a rock and cry. <laughs> well, and part of me would be like, I'm mad at them. I'm mad at them because they're they're going ahead of me. And I'm like, I just told them to go ahead. Like I was trying to find reasons to justify <laughs> yes. the intense emotions I was having. <laughs> the brain needed to be involved. <laughs> it, yeah. It was like, come on, we got to figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like through that that kind of process, I was like, oh man, I have been holding on to so much. And I've been, I started to get really angry that I felt like society had tricked me into thinking I was someone I wasn't. Yes, yes, yes. And that's kind of where it, the, the major shift started to happen, where it was not just like, looking at marginalization and looking at like statistics and like from a from a distance being like yes i understand this but like feeling it in my body like feeling the cumulative effects not just looking at like oh well this time i know i was discriminated against or this it was just the the years of basically like trauma that were attached not to (sighs) being fat but to the way that people treated me because I was fat. Um, and I think that's a really important distinction. Yeah. Well, and people, but also like spaces, the way spaces are designed. Like it's like everything, everywhere, all the time. Yes. I think that's the title of a movie. Isn't that a title of a movie that came out recently? <laughs> something yeah, similar. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, it's it's pervasive. And this is what I don't think is really understood by non-marginalized people who haven't really had to live within systemic oppression is that Mm -hmm. it's not just one thing it's literally everything and i was talking with um another podcast guest about how actually one of my my best friend that i've known since i was eight or sorry eight grade eight um we were both saying like it's so different like when i'm at home i forget that i'm fat because i'm just me it's when i leave my door and i like get into my car and I'm a little bit squished. And then I, like this morning I went and got a massage and like, because I'm, because I'm fat and because I have big breasts, they have to like bring an extra head thing for me because like, and the beds are tiny. And when I have to flip onto my back, I'm like, Oh God, please don't roll off. So yeah, yeah like, Oh, that will be fun. So I know my therapist is bracing to catch me. Cause we talked about it. You know, it's just like thing after thing after thing. And you just, and all of that gets held by Mm -hmm. our bodies exactly and so when it starts to come out it can feel really rough yes Um, like sometimes it feels cathartic and amazing and other times it feels like you've just been pushed down a flight of stairs um it's it's very visceral at least for me it was very very visceral yeah and and then when my after I had my son when, so my son was diagnosed with cancer at six months old, very young. Um, and, and you were a fat woman pregnant, fat parent, fat parent pregnant. I apologize. Yeah. Um, at the time I, I 
was, yeah, I, I largely uh, saw myself as a woman before I had language that fit better. But yeah, and my, my pregnancy was heavily, heavily medicalized because I was fat and old. I was 35. Oh, gosh. Um, oh, geriatric pregnancy. Geriatric. Was you. Yeah. Yes. Geriatric and fat. Shannon, yes, what were you thinking? Fat. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> and of course, there were no problems other than the fact that I had to go in for scans constantly. Um, but when he was diagnosed, um, you know, here I was looking at my little baby um, hooked up to IVs, and thinking I would give anything for my kid to be as healthy as I am right now. And then I thought, I remember the kind of background thought being, yeah, you, you are healthy and you've been so mean to yourself. <laughs> um, and again, like health isn't the end all be all, but you know, when you're dealing with, with illness, it's something that you would like to have, but it was just this idea that like, my body had been trying to take care of me for 36 years at that point. And I had been so mean to it. <laughs> I had said horrible things to it and I had ignored it and I had pushed it past the point that it could recover in some places. And it just, it, it was a real huge shift for me where it became about not like, I want to feel good about myself it was like, no, like I deserve to be able, you know, to be nice to myself <laughs> and to understand that like my body is as much a part of me as my brain. Yeah. Which I think is ironic because, you know, a lot of times in like yoga and meditation, it's all about like releasing yourself from the idea of like the, you know, like the, the physical world in some ways. Um, but I don't think that you can do that until you make peace with, with the experience of being human and a body. Yes. Otherwise, it's just escapism or what's the... Because otherwise, you haven't allowed yourself to really be human. I mean, no matter what faith you are, no matter what philosophy you subscribe to, if there's an idea that we're supposed to be here for any reason, obviously, like we're here to experience it for one reason or another. And I think that when we're told that our bodies are wrong, when we're told there's part of us that we need to cut out and we need to ignore, we're being told to ignore a huge part of our humanity. And I think that is just a horrible thing to do to people, <laughs> um, to make them feel like there's part of them that is completely like, not worth anything um and it definitely of course goes much further than fatness but i think for fat folks like it's you're literally told like all of this it's garbage it's garbage yeah it's not worthy of being no i'm gonna love you for who you are inside great but i also deserve to be loved for who i am outside <laughs> like all of it is me so if you're going to say, I'm going to discount part of it, then you're discarding part of me and I don't want you in my life. Yeah. And I think especially like when you look at popular culture and you look at like movies where like, you know, the brave, brave man falls in love with a fat woman. Oh God. Um, <laughs> it's never about like looking at their body and being attracted to it. It's about like, look at her face. 
listen, she's so kind. She's so smart. It's the in spite of, in spite of exactly. her body. Yeah, that's such bullshit. Yeah, I hate that stuff so much. Uh, yeah, and and it's just wrong. Fat bodies are attractive. <laughs> like, I think so. <laughs> Lots of people think so. Yeah, it's true. It's so true. And so you're, so just to, because I imagine people might be wondering, six months old, your son got cancer. You said he survived. He's. Oh, yes. Yes. He is um, now six years cancer free. We don't officially have the remission title just because there's still, it, it's a very rare cancer, but he, he is, he is very well and very active, very active. How old is he now? Uh, he is seven. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, yeah. so fun. So he's, he's healthy and happy most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and very loud. Yeah. <laughs> so if you hear it in the background, you might. <laughs> that is so welcome. That is very welcome. Pets and children, welcome into the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks for doing that. I just, I was like, I have to know how. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Yeah. So you went through all of that experience. And at the beginning of that, ex you know, where you were saying you were in the hospital, looking down at this little one being like, gosh, if I could give you my health and you had that huge realization, what was the impact of that? Like, where did that then take you this realization of, oh, actually, hang on, I am healthy. Like talk about, I'm sure there's a fancy name for it, but almost like turning your brain inside out being like, oh, everything I believed, I just completely questioned and had a mindset shift. Yeah, I, it was, I mean, I was still very much like in, everything had to kind of be put on hold because we still had treatment to go through. This is very early in the treatment that I was like, oh man. But yeah, it was, it was very much, you know, one of those, those moments where it's like, okay, this, this can't be like a realization I have. And then I like just never do anything with it. But, you know, again, now I, I was, I had a, a, a newborn practically and, um, and all this other stuff to deal with, but it, it became kind of like a, a question that would come up anytime that I realized that there was some kind of preconceived notion in my head. Whenever I would experience other people treating me a certain way, I'd step back and be like, wait, Oh, it's like it added another filter to how you viewed other people interacting with you. Exactly. It was, it was kind of very much like that. This kind of moment of like, wait, like there are times I think in our life where our Daksha becomes apparent, you know? Um, and that was one of those times where it was like, yeah, like it was so deep down and so ingrained that it took like such a jarring experience to kind of like shake me out of it. Right. And I, I think moving forward, it became something that was just another example of the ways that society's voice becomes your voice without realizing it 
and having to stop and be like, am I thinking this or is this somebody else's thoughts that I've mistaken for my own? You know, whose voice is really talking? You know, is it my third grade teacher? Is it, you know, my gym teacher from elementary school? Is it, you know, uh, that stranger who just like threw something out of their car at me on the street? Oh my God. Did that really happen? Oh yeah. <gasps> oh, here in Toronto? Uh, that, no, that was in, not in Chicago. That was back in Michigan when I lived in Michigan. Not that Toronto is perfect by any means, but I'm just like, ah. Oh. I actually have, and I think this is also where I live in Toronto. Like I live downtown and I, <laughs> yeah, no, there, there are some people here who do not like fat folks at all. Very true. The only difference is that now I don't not say anything and keep walking. Oh, what do you do? What do you do, Shannon? <laughs> yeah. No, usually I scream. I scream at them. I yell at them. Um, or I just I just say, I'm sorry, what did you say? Like over and over until they get very uncomfortable and walk away because they won't actually repeat it. No, right? Because it's a cowardly thing to do. So they don't want to be called out. And <laughs> I call it I call it going American. Oh my God. Um, I'm from the US. <laughs> and everybody's like, Americans are so confrontational. And I'm like, oh, watch me. Watch yeah. Me. <laughs> watch me show my American right now. Yeah. I, I will be very American right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. And then you get to be the angry fat woman and you're fully justified. I, you know, it comes down to, I know who I am and whatever label you want to put on me says more about you than it says about me. Yes. Oh, I love that. Can you say that one more time? Oh, let's see. <laughs> um, I know who I am. And whatever label that you want to put on me says more about you than it says about me. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I just, I, I know that I am usually a fairly reasonable person. But if you do something unreasonable, you will be met with an equally unreasonable response. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. I just love the permission that because I, I also, I mean, I, I get angry. Like I am just, and I'm kind of, um, have been more and more finding my voice and advocating and saying like, no, hang on. This is not okay. What you're trying, what you're doing right now, not okay. And it's showing up in lots of different ways. And I'm just really mm -hmm. embracing the, do you know what I always think? <laughs> I don't know. This is it's not. It, it's another uh, problematic example, but or character, I guess. But Ursula from Little Mermaid. I'm like, I'm embracing my inner Ursula, you know, and almost like that reclamation of fat anger, and just like it is what it is. I get to have anger. Just because I'm fat doesn't mean I don't get to have anger. But isn't it funny that the only examples of fat anger are villains? I know. This is the problematic nature of it so much. Oh, God. Yeah. No, I mean, like, and it's just, I mean, it's the same, I think, for any marginalized group where it's like, in order to be angry, it means that you now are the villain. Yeah. Particularly if you're coming after, like, white women. Yes. Yes. And they start crying. <laughs> oh, like, wait, you just called me horrible names and I come around and tell you you're full of crap and now you're going to cry. Right. And get, and that's probably where the sympathy will go. I had, I had a very interesting experience like that with a friend where I called them out on something. They immediately started crying and they're like, I can't even be in this conversation anymore. And I'm like, well, 
okay, but I need you to know what you're doing. And I named what they were doing. I was like, this is a huge microaggression right now. And they just couldn't be in it. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But I need you to know, like, I'm not the bad guy here because it was then they were the victim. I was the aggressor. I'm like, no, you started by marginalizing me. And now how did I become the bad guy? I mean, it's very insidious. Like you can really see where all the layers of this, um, yeah, how this all kind of colludes together to really keep marginalized people marginalized. Yeah. And after all, like we're bigger than them. How should how could you know, we're physically threatening them just by existing. Right? I mean, I am very, very strong. So <laughs> just try, try me, people. Um, that's right. Oh. <laughs> I'm strong, I'm, but I'm also five feet tall. So people just think I'm cute when I'm angry. Oh, um, <laughs> that's even more infuriating. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, I'm so curious how all of this, I mean, this is so, so beautiful. Um, everything that you're saying and speaking to, how did you create your, like, had you always, you mentioned hiking, but had you always been into yoga? Cause you, you do fat yoga. And I will say, I'll kind of do the reveal. Like, this is where you shifted something huge for me without even knowing it was that I had done so many yoga classes. I love the, I love the practice of yoga. It really coincided with, um, a lot of my own work on mindfulness. Cause I was never mindful. <laughs> I was never still, or even able to observe my own thoughts. Like mm -hmm. I just, so going through this program back in 2015 really opened up a lot of inner space, inner awareness for me. And I went to so many yoga classes. I can't even tell you, Shannon. And again, you've, you've probably heard this a lot, but just to paint a picture for people who are not fat um, and listening where like, and actually there was one in particular, I was with four friends and this, we kind of had like a little, like a, kind of like a private group lesson for someone who was trying out a different type of yoga. And I was like, sure, I'll grab some people. We'll come and we'll do it. And she kept, the instructor kept like looking at me being like, hmm. So for your, because I was the only fat one in the group. So for your body, can you like, could you try like this? But the thing was, there was never a design with me about, can I spotlight your body and try to figure it out? Um, it was just, I was, I was called out with every move and my friends beautifully were getting pretty pissed off. But at that point in my own journey, I don't think I had really realized what was happening. So mm -hmm. I didn't speak out. I was just kind of feeling, I started to feel shame, which is often my first response. Yeah. Like, oh, I guess there's my body getting in the way again. No one knows how to work with this body. Like, it was just so, and that has just, that's emblematic of so many of my experiences in group exercise um, settings and specifically um, yoga, Pilates, where there is a lot of bending and contorting. Like, I can tear up an aerobics class, but something about the, the flexibility and the holding. I don't know what it is, but I just never had an experience that I would say where anyone knew how to offer alternatives to movements and poses in a way that had me feel seen and respected and not called out. And then I found you, I started following you and I did a couple of your YouTube, um, free, your, your free YouTube classes. And I remember still, I still, I said this to you before we start recording, I like, I remember the moment you were like, all right, and then you're going to grab your belly and you're going to lift it up. And I'm like, 
oh my god someone knows what to do with my belly like it was it was like a miracle had occurred and it, my belly wasn't something that had to be hidden or like worked around in a mm -hmm. negative way it was like you're just going to grab your belly you're going to lift it up for a little more flexibility then you're going to slowly bend for and it was just so normal you normalized my body shannon in a way that oh i could weep thinking about it. like it was so powerful because i didn't feel wrong and you offered so many adaptations that I could in one pose I could do this in another pose I could do that and it just I bought a big yoga mat like I like oh. I was like this is I this is now a thing I can do and I can do it well and it's been really transformative and and, and yeah so if, if anyone is ever wanted to try yoga there's gonna be you know, obviously there's a link to Shannon's information in the show notes it's really profound to feel like no matter what your body is no matter what your body's abilities are because i have like a bad knee from a skiing accident so i have to favor certain things but like all of that gets to be okay when the instructor you knows how to work truly knows how to work with different bodies and it was a huge moment for me it was probably about a year ago maybe like it was just and it's it's never it's stuck with me so profoundly um and i refuse now now i am much more firm where i will not do any physical movement class first of all i pretty much want the person to be that second of all if they're not that they have to prove to me <laughs> that they know how to work with fat bodies and i'm very vocal about it and very clear. If you don't know how to do this, then I know you do not get my business. All of that to say, thank you. <laughs> and tell us about fat yoga. <laughs> well, thank you so much. That's exactly why I started teaching because yeah, I hadn't had that experience very much. Um, so I, I studied yoga from when I was about six on wow that young well it wasn't like a, a very formal practice but <laughs> i used to watch um lilas uh yoga with lilas it was on pbs when i was about six with my mom because my mom was like i'm gonna do yoga <laughs> and i really liked it i really liked it and so i would do it when i saw it on tv and i got books from the library on like kids yoga um and i would sit there and like <laughs> because you know you're very flexible when you're a kid i'd contort myself and then some uh asana <laughs> that i no longer practice um <laughs> at the time i was like oh this is fun like i've always been very stretchy okay so side note did not know i was hypermobile uh oh, I, yeah. interesting. So these are like all along the way i'm like oh yeah but i'd always been like i couldn't run very fast but i could stretch really far so there was also like some like positive reinforcement outside of that but i would get dvds vhs tapes showing my age <laughs> vhs <laughs> and i'd practice but i could never i never looked like the people on the tapes and i could never do exactly what they could do and there was part of me that thought okay it's just because i'm i'm just not good enough you know and I was really scared of going into a studio and I tried in my, I want to say mid twenties, a couple times, once in particular, I remember going in 
And the person at the front desk is like, oh, are you waiting for someone? <gasps> and I was like, mm, F this. And I turned around and walked right out. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't think I went back. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was in my car and I was just beat red and crying. And after that, I was like, okay, now I'm sticking to, to VHS tapes. And it wasn't until... I got here to Toronto, actually, um, that I saw a fat yoga teacher, uh, Chanel Deer, who I love so much. And I went to one of her classes and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, I'm not doing anything wrong. I just, and it just isn't going to look like that in my body because I have flesh touching flesh. Like, I can't physics exists. I can't push through it. <laughs> um, so yeah. I, I want yeah. that on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, science. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so important, but so few believe in it. <laughs> but, you know, it was, I was just had to get to a point where I was like, okay. And it made me feel so good to know that like suddenly like oh it isn't me it's like the way i felt about clothes you know like there was something wrong with me because this shirt didn't fit and i felt the same way about asana um or yoga postures so once i started to realize that like okay it doesn't have to look like that i don't have to do the headstand i don't have to do something that hurts or doesn't feel right uh, because the yoga teacher said I do. <laughs> uh, it became something where I was like, okay, so wait, like I actually, I have been practicing yoga for this period of time. It wasn't just stretching or just messing around with the tape. It was, it was a practice. And so as I got more into practicing, with these like kind of new options, <laughs> I was like, I want everybody to feel like this. And at the time, this was pre-pandemic. There weren't a lot of online options. There weren't a lot of ways to practice with people that looked like you because there weren't a lot of fat yoga teachers. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to yoga teacher training. I'm going to learn how to do this and I'm going to show other people how to do it because I, it, it just, I didn't want to be in a space anymore where, where people felt like that. So yeah, then I started, <laughs> I started practicing. Can I, can I ask a question about the yoga teacher training? Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm going to ask? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, I'll start with this. Were you the only fat person in the yoga teacher training? No, because a friend uh, who was also fat when we both, we both decided to do it. Um, they, they didn't so much want to teach, uh, but they wanted to deepen their practice and wanted to learn. Great. And so we were, we were able to do it together. Yeah. I, I, I was probably, I was, I was the largest person there, but it was nice to have somebody who, who was also like fat and also very 
very willing to stand up and be like, no. Yeah. You need like that ally. Yes. So it wasn't always on you. Yeah. I've, I've, one of the things that I'm very wanting to, yeah, just talk more about on the podcast is trainings. You know, like I said, I went to a massage today and I, I meant to, but then I just got wrapped up in the massage. But I wanted to ask and I'll ask when I go back, but I wanted to ask this guy who's great, but to be like, okay, so were you trained? Do you know how to work on a body that looks like mine? What's what's different? What's not? Because I'm so curious and I want to, you know, obviously bring that information forward. I'm talking to some, a group of UBC medical students, because now it's only student-led, who are working to change medical school training. So that's going to be coming up on the pod. But like, that right? Amazing. So it kind of has to start at where this all happens. So my question, Shannon, is in this yoga teacher training with two visibly fat participants, was there, were there conversations like about how to accommodate for different bodies and abilities? Well, I think what happens is what often happens whenever you have a fat person coming into a space is they become a teacher. Got it. Yep. And I, I had had a conversation with the studio owner before we started um, with my friend and been like, okay, we're fat. like (laughs) by the way (laughs) yeah and basically like are you gonna have a problem with this because like we didn't want to be in a space that was like hostile and you know it was obvious that like we were the only people our size to go through their program they didn't quite know how to deal with that especially not to people who were like willing to talk about it oh right as opposed to just try to do it and struggle quietly or who like weren't gonna be like yeah no (laughs) um and they were like no like we're we we want we want this like we want everybody so this is important and i think it was helpful that like the studio owner is older and has older teachers on staff and they were experiencing their own like kind of like a mobility journey so it was it was interesting (laughs) I mean, there were times where definitely it was like, excuse me, you know, raising my hand, like, okay, this isn't going to work. <sighs> How about if I do this? And, you know, and because you're trying to figure out like the thing with variations um, and changes to asana is like, there are different ways that you can, you can work variations in and it can be like, what's the purpose of the asana in this flow? Like, are we working on like stretching out the back body? In which case we might have a different variation for people whose like belly hits their thigh. than if the purpose is um, kind of more like heart opening or emotional, or if it's more about balance, or if it's more in line with like, like there are poses about warrior, you know, uh, like warrior one or Virabhadrasana uh, one where like, there's a story behind the asana that might be part of like the flow for the class is about this idea of like taking power, being a warrior, standing strong. Um, and so obviously like whatever variation you're offering for folks has to be a variation that is also embodying like whatever that is. Wow. That's so smart. I never realized that. That makes so much sense. So like, you can't just have like one variation for a posture, you know, you have to figure out, okay, what's the most important part? 
And then how do I make that accessible to everyone? So, you know, kind of talking about like the anatomy piece, which again, like anatomy for people who are fat, it looks different. <laughs> I mean, everyone's anatomy looks different. Um, but a lot of people just don't, uh, like when I come into plank, I do not look like a straight sized person in plank because I have a very large booty mm -hmm. and it sticks up <laughs> and it looks like I'm kind of at an angle. I'm not because I know my skeletal structure because it's part of me. <laughs> I can feel the alignment <laughs> and people will come and be like, no, you have to put your bum down. And if I, like, if I do that, <laughs> I'm going to fall because my hips are going to be too low. <laughs> It's like, no, that's just my bum. Like, we're good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not the bone. We're, we're okay. <sighs> yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of like back and forth around that. But yeah, when it comes to training, like these are the things that are important. Like now I teach an accessible um, yoga kind of class for future YTTs at the same studio that I took from. Oh, I love that. That yeah they invited you to come in and do that that's amazing so i mean it's it's great um it's really helpful but i do think that like and when you mentioned like you want teachers who are fat like i think that that is so important because like there's nothing worse than seeing like a uh, you know, yoga for everybody taught by someone who mm, does not have the lived experience. Um, and like, yeah, you can go to training and well, yoga for everybody. I actually don't have a problem with that, but if it's like yoga for yoga for larger bodies and it's a straight sized person. No, that's unacceptable. As far as I'm concerned, I have very strong opinions. on. Yeah, this. no, so do I. <laughs> Like, don't, don't lie. It's not for bigger bodies if the freaking instructor is not in a bigger body. Yeah. And I know a lot of times I'll hear, but they might have lived experience. And I'm like, well, yeah. But there's also the idea of being in community with people. And you might have lived experience in a larger body, but you, unless you are really aware of the privilege that you have now, <laughs> and you are ready to vocalize that, and you are willing to... And I don't know, in my experience, like formerly fat folks tend to be the most fat phobic. I was just going to say one of my attempts again to find someone before I found you, Shannon, I went to a class with someone who used their pregnancy as a way to understand <laughs> one of these like yoga for all bodies classes. And it was marketed around like for fat people. And I'm just like, and I, and I, I don't, I was like, uh, all right, let, let, let me, I don't know. But I, like, I didn't know they were using their pregnancy as I, th I thought, okay, this is, you know, well, let's just check it out. And it was virtual. And the whole time it was like, oh, it was just, yeah, it was so wrong. Cause everything they were saying was about when and they weren't pregnant anymore. So it was like, when I was pregnant, my belly felt like this. And, and it was all, it was different. <laughs> As somebody who has been both, it's different. Right? It was so, I was so disappointed. That's like saying I broke my leg once, so I know what it's like to be disabled. Yes. Th oh, that's the perfect, <laughs> the perfect metaphor. I had to use crutches for, for a whole month. And so now I know what it's like to be in a wheelchair. No. Oh my God. 
yeah, to use a mobility device. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So you obviously do it very different in your own practice. What do you what do you hear most from people? Like what what are they just yeah, what are, what are people so grateful? I mean, I know I express my gratitude. I'm just really curious like what do other people I think um like the permission to be able to touch and move your own body. It's not something that we're given very often. Even from folks who are straight sized who come to my classes, they're like yeah, I didn't realize I can just like move my little tummy over. And I'm like, yeah, you can. <laughs> like, It's for everybody. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, and just the, I think the frankness at which we talk about issues. Because I will, I think that one of the things that is really important to me is normalizing differences in mobility from day to day. And I won't, when I demo, I don't always demo like the least accessible posture. <laughs> Sometimes I'll be like, or you can do this, but I'm not going to do that because I don't feel like it today. I loved seeing you do that. That was a surprise for me to see. To I, Again, I just keep thinking about how much of this comes back to us knowing that there is permission available but you don't know there's permission it's almost like you don't know what you don't know but the yeah. first time I saw you do that I was like oh wow okay that's kind of amazing the instructor is saying I want you to instruct to respect your body's ability today and I'm going to respect mine yeah of course but but like until I saw it for the first time I hadn't realized you can do that <laughs> exactly I mean and I think too, like that was one of my fears of uh, when I started teaching was like, well, there are lots of postures I'm not comfortable doing. Like, how do I teach that? And I'm like, oh, but there are lots of teachers who don't demo at all, who will sit down and just tell people what to do. And I'm like, so why can't I do that? <laughs> like, you know, there's certain postures I don't feel comfortable teaching virtually, like headstands. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just like, no, if I can't be in the room, um, no. But if it's part of your practice, okay, go for it. Um, I don't like inversions. They make me feel bad. So I don't do them very often. And I, I think that it's okay like, to tell people like, yeah, no, I, I don't like doing that. I, I don't teach boat pose. I hate it. it. It is great posture, lots of great benefits, but I hate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it does not feel good for me and I think that like that's okay to say like to be like yeah no I, there are certain things that I don't like to do so I'm not going to do them and you don't have to do them either that's the piece that's what you're passing forward so brilliantly is oh well then that means I get to choose because I think we get a little bit of what do they call it like white coat syndrome where it's like you're you were I mean talk about power and privilege you're the front of the room teacher you're the one who's got the power so I have to do everything Shannon says it's like and then Shannon says do what feels good for you like it's it's so different it's a very different vibe than to so many other classes I've gone to I, I think like and this comes back to like using yoga as a way to reconnect the body like sometimes it's great to be challenged and to realize oh I didn't know I could do that and I can do that that's awesome mm -hmm. but I think we are constantly pushed as fat folks to do things that are uncomfortable, whether it's physically fitting in a chair that does not fit us because we don't want to make a scene 
or be embarrassed by asking for another chair or whether it's being forced to like stay on our feet all day, you know, working jobs where honestly, like it is harder sometimes to stay on your feet all day when you're larger, but we're, we're constantly pushing ourselves. And I want a space where people can listen, you know, and decide and feel like they have the agency because once you start taking agency on your mat, you take it in one place, you start to realize this doesn't have to stay here. I can, I can use this agency everywhere. And it's those little changes and those little permissions that they can make your whole life feel more yours. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. I love that. I certainly experienced that. Thank you. Yeah. It had this ripple effect in other areas and agency is the perfect word for it. So, and gentleness, I think it, your, your classes taught me a gentleness with my body that I was, I grew up as a competitive athlete, so I'm not used to gentleness. Um, and (laughs) I just need, I'm also older. I'm 42. Like I I have a knee injury. Like I have, I have things now (laughs) and my, my body needs a level of gentleness that I, I feel like you and others like you who are working in the anti-diet, um, fat liberation space around movement have given me and I imagine everyone you work with that permission for gentleness, for agency. And those are things that you're right, fat people are not often allowed. So I'm just so grateful for, for you and for the work that you do, Shannon. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Shannon, I want to ask about fat joy. <laughs> what helps you turn towards joy? What do you do that lights you up and connects you to joy? Oh man, there's so much. And it really, <laughs> it's funny. It ebbs and flows, right? Yeah. But I think anytime that I'm able to like fully embody something, Mm. Whether it's eating a really good meal and allowing myself to like just enjoy it, like mm. just ugh, all of it. Like I feel it. I feel it in my belly. I taste it. I am, and that I can do that without feeling bad about any part of it. Or when I'm able to move in a way that is exactly what I needed that day. Anytime that I can feel at home in my body, that's that's joy for me. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Again, I feel my shoulders relaxing. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I feel so blissed out after this conversation, Shannon. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, Shannon, this has been so wonderful to connect and talk with you. I'll include all of your links in the show notes so people can find you. Please go find Shannon. The classes are amazing. Shannon, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So grateful. Thank you. Before we go, I'd like to read a poem because poetry can reach our hearts in a different way. Poems can have us feel in a different way. And that's what this podcast is all about. Expanding our hearts, deepening our empathy, and inviting in joy. So each week, you get a new poem. This poem feels so connected to the conversation I just had with Shannon Kanashige and their journey to connecting fully with their body, with living in an embodied way. 
um, and then how they have created fat yoga um, in order to keep sharing that learning with others, um, myself included. I, I've been, as you'll hear if you listen to the episode, or if you just listen to the episode, you know that I've been deeply impacted by Shannon's work um, with respect to my own sense of embodiment. So the poem I chose for Shannon is by Cleo Wade, and it's called A Love Note to My Body. A love note to my body. First of all, I want to say thank you for the heart you kept beating, even when it was broken, for every answer you gave me in my gut, for loving me back, even when I didn't know how to love you, for every time you recovered when I pushed you past our limits, for today, for waking up. Thank you for joining me today. My hope is that you're feeling a little less alone and a little more seen. So until the next episode, you can find me on Instagram at fatjoy.life, on YouTube at youtube.com slash at fatjoy, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash fatjoy. Please do check out the show notes for how you can connect with my amazing guest and for the links to the poem. All right, lovely. I am sending you off with my best wishes for an abundantly fat joy day. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.